California's housing market continues to become more expensive, but political leaders are seeing glimpses of a sea change coming. On a statewide level, there's a renewed push to do more for middle-income housing. And in some cities like San Diego, new policies have been enacted to boost density without completely changing neighborhood character. For the San Diego Union Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Michael Smolens, you're the political columnist for the Union Tribune, and soon you'll have a column that's a little bit more policy than politics when you're explaining kind of how San Diego got into its housing crunch. Let's start with the broader picture. What are the national forces that are kind of shaping the housing market? Well, there, there are many, and, and just sort of parenthetically, yes, it's policy, but it's also politics about what, what to do with it. Uh, there's ho- ho- really a nationwide housing shortage. Uh, a lot of housing, enough housing hasn't been built, but it's really more the affordable housing. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of forces that have, have come into play. What is sort of interesting, one of the newer trends is uh, corporations have become uh, bigger players, particularly in single-family home uh, neighborhoods, uh, buying up single-family homes. Really, especially in California, the, the, the raging housing debate is increasingly focusing on single-family homes and, and who owns them, what to do with them, how to preserve the neighborhoods, and, and or are the neighborhoods being exploited, and will they be destroyed by, by increased density, which some people want. Um, but th- there's not a lot of attention on corporate ownership, and a lot of that happened, uh, kind of getting into the weeds a bit here, but mm-hmm. with the recession in sorry, 2000, of course, as we recall, there were distressed properties, a lot of foreclosures, mm-hmm. and uh, that corporations saw this basically as a, a way to get into a new market of investment. They were able to pick up a lot of these homes uh, on the cheap. And some critics say that, that government policies trying to get these homes back on the market did benefit corporations over individuals. They, what the interesting thing is that they've turned them into rentals as mm-hmm. opposed to reselling them for the most part. And it is worth noting that owning a home is one of the best ways to obtain wealth, right? Correct. And frankly, uh, hundreds of billions of dollars in wealth had transferred from that period uh, from people, homeowners, to corporations. So yes, it's increasingly harder for people to get into the market. Uh, These homes that are being rented are generally more expensive uh, Mm -hmm. than than, uh, smaller uh, landlord-managed homes. And uh, it affects people at the lower end that, that sort of got squeezed out of the housing market. So that's kind of one of the aspects of which I'm writing about. Certainly. And specifically in California, what are some of the issues that are specific to the state? Well, most of the state where there is housing uh, is zoned for single-family homes, and there's a big battle there. A lot of the legislation statewide and locally that we've been talking about looks to, to – bulk up density along transit lines, but the real battleground has been uh, in single-family home suburban neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. Some of the key legislation that would do those larger things also basically would get rid of single-family home zoning uh, to allow duplexes, triplexes, uh, you know, a couple, few story buildings, and people really revolted at that. That push is still happening. So that's really where part of the battleground is. Yeah, and that's kind of where you hear the people say, not in my backyard, and that kind of political discussion. Yeah, and, you know, I try to avoid the the not in my backyard, yes, in my backyard, particularly not in my backyard. There's an awful lot of that. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's become such a pejorative, and I think anytime anybody 
r- sort of raises a question or o- opposes a, a development, they're already always branded that I don't want anything. In many cases, that is that is what's happening. But in some cases, there's legitimate concerns about the impacts of, of development. One interesting trend, while this sort of effort to get rid of single-family home zoning uh, has been kind of stalled, it's sort of happening in a backdoor way. We've written a lot about uh, the the increasing effort to have granny flats, these mm-hmm. sort of secondary units built uh, in single-family home lots, if you have a shed or area to do that, to convert it. And in a way, that's sort of a backdoor way of, of getting rid of single-family zoning. Uh, new laws have been passed that would allow two, basically, on there. So suddenly, a, a single-family home lot could have three units on it. That could change the character of neighborhoods dramatically if it takes off, and they're trying to make it more convenient and easier for people to build by streamlining and reducing fees. Yeah, and it seems like a lot of the frustration about increasing density is kind of the way it's done. It seems like granny flats and even tiny homes haven't had the same level of opposition as like, you know, a 30-story tower going up near a transit line. Absolutely. And, you know, again, I think most people are on board with, to varying degrees, with increasing density along transit line. It's like what kind of density in the neighborhoods. And you're right, though, that that they're just uh, the uh, whatever opposition there's been to the expansion of granny flats or the policies that push the, that expansion has been nothing compared to the sweeping statewide legislation that would allow duplexes and and not just duplex, but but apartment buildings, basically mm-hmm. small apartment buildings in single family home uh, neighborhoods. And locally in San Diego, what are the kind of strategies that the mayor and the city council have been taking to address this ongoing problem? It's interesting because the, the key bill that, that everybody talks about in Sacramento is Senate Bill 50. That's the one that, that focused density on, on transit and did a whole bunch of stuff. It would basically require cities to do certain things to allow certain kind of housing. It also, uh, the, the, the real linchpin to the opposition, I think, was the fact that it, it – it, would have basically gotten rid of single family the single family home zone. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean single family homes would disappear, but you would be able to build other kinds of housing there. I think Mayor Faulkner understood uh, that that's a political problem. Uh, that he also, I think, just truly believes certain neighborhoods should be preserved for what people expected them to be. In his policies, which had a lot of the same components as SB fifty, at least in a philosophic sense. He did not include that. And so the city seems to be moving forward with that, trying to stay away from this whole dispute over the suburbs. Yeah, and it seems like California is finally at a crossroads in which there's not much more urban sprawl that can be done. So density and building up is the only way to keep building as the population grows. Right. And I think over time, there are certain areas that probably are zoned for single-family homes shouldn't be in the future. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a big dispute over that. But yes, that's the case. There's also this equity thing that, that okay, you're going to pile up density in the along the transit line, the inner city areas who lives there generally, a lot of lower income people, and not in the more well-to-do suburbs. Now, having said that, we know downtown San Diego, there are some very expensive uh, condo towers and apartment buildings uh, that, that most of us can't afford. So mm-hmm. uh, you can't make too many sweeping assumptions as to who lives in the inner city. Yeah, especially downtown. It seems like nearly every tower is at least a quarter million to get in, Mm -hmm. right? which is out of the reach of many, many Californians. So as things kind of change in San Diego, we're going into the election, 
do you see kind of the candidates positioning themselves as being in favor towards a certain specific strategy when it comes to increasing the housing supply? Well, yes, and I don't know that it'll be this clear cut, but the two major candidates right now are uh, Councilwoman Barbara Bree and Assemblyman Todd Gloria, who had been on the city council, served as interim mayor for a while. Um, they diverged very differently on the housing issue. Uh, he is supportive of a lot of what Sacramento has been putting forth in terms of increasing density. Interestingly, he's the only known renter in the state legislature. Uh, the, one of the news organizations did a survey. Not everybody participated. He doubts he's the only one, but he's the mm-hmm. only one out of dozens that, that participated. So he kind of looks at it through uh, a lot of renters' eyes, which is refreshing in a way because most politicians are homeowners. Uh, but Barbara Bree comes from a different aspect that, that uh, there's uh, her main concern is Sacramento shouldn't be making these calls. These should be mm-hmm. local calls. Of course, the people in Sacramento are saying, yeah, the locals aren't doing it. They're not getting it done. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're kowtowing to the neighborhood groups that really have to change their outlook and change their ways. So that's really the big difference. Now, there's going to be a lot more subtleties. I think that you'll see Todd Gloria kind of moving away from some of the more controversial legislation uh, up there. But that will be the dividing line, I think, on probably what may be the key issue of the, the campaign. Yeah, and when it comes to like sprawl versus density, it seems to be a truly nationwide problem in which mm-hmm. we've built this country for the past, I don't know, 60 years focusing on building suburbs, but now we're kind of seeing as far as you can stretch that. It's it's almost like it's reached its limits. Well, yes, and then yeah. there's a whole new wildfire factor playing in. That's mm-hmm. always been an issue, but you mentioned the sprawl. The sprawl goes where? Into open land, and it keeps getting further and further into the, the urban fringes, the backcountry, and we've seen the devastating effects. Uh, there's a real debate going on as to can we just keep doing that? Uh, not only that, but what do we do about the places there now that are really in tinderbox areas? So there's this, this uh, you know, catch-22 that, that we can't really build or there's a lot of resistance to building on the outskirts of the urban areas, and yet there just hasn't been the movement to build in the more urban core. Uh, somewhere, I think people hope the, the log jam will break. And it's also worth noting that in this discussion, there's also a generational aspect to it in right. which many young people feel themselves shut out of the housing market. Mm-hmm. But as those younger people become middle-aged people, there mm-hmm. could be a shift. Do you see kind of the, a difference in the way leaders are talking as this aging is occurring? Well, they're certainly talking about the, the young people and their children uh, looking at leaving San Diego because they can't afford to live here. There's a big debate about, okay, what do you do about that? Do you just build more houses? And uh, there's great disagreement on the impacts of that. Some people say uh, you build more houses, it will be whatever the market can bear. Can you really mm-hmm. build enough to, to affect the price? Some people don't think so. Some people think that government needs to move in or something needs to happen to deal with all the the, the costs for all the the services and public infrastructure that is now on fees for the house. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of debate about that. But um, you know, some people like to make the distinction that uh, we'll say there's not a housing crisis, there's an affordable housing crisis. Mm-hmm. And it's really sort of the lower middle income. There, there's a fair amount of very low income housing and subsidized housing. But this will be something that we'll be talking about uh, for years to come. Certainly. All right. Michael Smolens, thank you so much. Thank you. In other housing news, civil rights leaders teamed up with affordable housing advocates on calling the city of San Diego to redo its zoning policies, many of which limit apartments, condos, and other multi-unit dwellings. 
Leaders argued the policies preserved the legacy of redlining, which prevented people of color from getting home loans in some parts of the city. That lending was forbidden in Logan Heights, Barrio Logan, City Heights, and southeastern San Diego, the city's most diverse and most socioeconomically disadvantaged neighborhoods. Thanks for listening to the San Diego News Fix, which goes live weekdays at 5 p.m. Our creative director is Beto Alvarez, and our digital editor is Ricky Young. This podcast comes together with support from our creative studio and reporters throughout the newsroom. Please rate us and review us on your favorite podcast app and support our journalism by signing up for our print and digital products at uniontrip.com slash subscribe. Until next time.